I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity or privilege to get to know someone who was blind or to have a relationship with someone who was blind. But it's one of the most enriching experiences you'll ever have, one of the most meaningful experiences you'll ever have. And I, and I mean someone who's blind, not someone who just has a vision impairment, but someone who literally cannot see. Um, one of my favorite professors in seminary, was a man by the name of Dr. Carson. Dr. Carson was up in years when he was my professor, and uh, I was in seminary, you know, just a few months back. So, <laughs> no, it was many years ago. So I'm not even sure if he's still alive. He may already be in heaven. Uh, he used to teach at Gardner-Webb University, and uh, he was actually teaching one of the classes that I was taking at the seminary where I was attending at the time. And he was teaching my liberation theology class. And that's fascinating because liberation theology is the study of how God rescues the oppressed, the enslaved, the down and out, the forgotten, the taken advantage of. And so to be taught liberation theology by a blind, black Man of God was extremely enriching. I learned so much. Right? God changed so much in my heart uh, and opened my eyes to so much in that class. Uh, he, and he was, oh, he's great attitude. And he was so fun. He made, he made it fun. Uh, he would, and if you know anything about um, people who are blind, their other, some of their other senses are even more sensitive. And that's how God helps them. Uh, compensate for the lack of the ability to see in the, in the world and so they can function. And, and so he had this sense of just knowing who was in the room and what was going on in the room, even though he couldn't see anything. And, and I can remember just walking into class stealthily, sitting down, minding my own business, not saying anything. Is that you, Mr. Robbins? Yep. I'm here, Dr. Carson. Well, we got a test today, and it's going to be a biggie. Because he called everything Biggie because he loved Wendy's. <laughs> everything was Biggie. And what was interesting, we had this guy that would try to take advantage of the fact that Dr. Carson was blind. And he would sit. It, he did this all the time, all semester. He would sit over near the door. And at some point in the, in the class, he'd get up and sneak out thinking, ah, oh, the guy doesn't know. He's blind, right? Without fail, Dr. Carson would go, someone has left us. <laughs> That's okay, because he's going to miss the biggie. <laughs> he, oh, he was awesome. So you say, well, what's that got to do with anything? Nothing. It was just a personal story, so thanks for listening. Now, it, amazing to get to know someone blind. The miracle we're talking about today is when Jesus gave sight to a guy who was born blind. Opened the eyes of a blind man so he could see. Now, Jesus healed several blind people in his ministry. This story, though, this occurrence kind of stands out because of the amount of detail that we have surrounding the events before, especially after, in the interactions with people. And the interesting thing about this is that by the time this is over, Jesus is not just talking about physical blindness. He's talking about something a lot more like spiritual blindness. that doesn't have anything to do with your physical eyes, but your heart. So we'll get there. And John recorded 
this occurrence because he was there. John was the youngest of Jesus' disciples, and I'm glad he took great notes because we have such a great amount of detail here for this, this moment. One day, Jesus, with his disciples, were walking down the road, and they came across this blind man who happened to also be a beggar because back in the first century, if you were born blind, chances are, with rare exception, you would also live in poverty because you couldn't contribute to society. So he is a blind beggar, probably someone they had seen before, probably someone the disciples had passed before because they asked Jesus specifically. Now, is this guy blind because of his sin, Jesus? Or, or is he blind because of his parents' sin? Yeah, that, that, that might be closer to the truth. Jesus, is he, is he blind because of something he did or something his parents did? And that's a very common question. It's an unfortunate question. A lot of times people just assume if something's going on in your life that's negative, oh, what did you do? Like, like who screwed up kind of thing. And that's, it's unfortunate that we think this way. But this was Jesus' answer. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be, look at this, seen in him. Isn't it interesting? The choice of the word seen in reference to a man that was blind. So that the power of God, so that people will see the power of God in the life of this man who can't see. Fascinating. Which really takes us back to last week, and we see this principle again, that there's always another layer to what God is doing. There's always a bigger purpose at play to whatever you see that's going on in front of you. They see a man that's blind, and they're thinking, uh-oh, somebody did something wrong, and Jesus is like, no, there's another purpose at play here. There's a bigger purpose at play, and this has nothing to do with anything he did or his parents did. This has everything to do that the power of God is going to be displayed in his life. Listen very carefully. That is still true. That is still the way God works. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing, but I can tell you this. It's not just about that thing. It's not just about what you're facing. It's not just about what you're struggling with. There's always a bigger purpose at play. Always, always, always. It's just how God works. And you may not know it. I may not know it. We may not be able to see the bigger purpose or explain it. And we'll get to that in a minute. But he's always up to something else, something more, and usually something better and beyond what we can detect. Let's keep going. Then Jesus spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. How's that for graphic detail? I love that. Do you know how much spit it would take to make mud? Go try it sometime. Right? Just walk out, and get loose dirt, and just spit. Good luck making mud with that. So in my opinion, this is probably more of a situation where Jesus spit, right you're like oh no because he was the son of god but he's also human <laughs> you don't know that he didn't right i mean it doesn't tell us exactly how he made I mean, it probably now you know in all honesty it probably wouldn't take much of jesus spit because he had holy spit right <laughs> you know mud he spread it in the guy's eyes and then he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. 
So the man went and washed, check this out, and came back seeing. And he came back seeing. At that point, things kind of got crazy. I'm going to fast forward a little bit here and kind of go through this kind of quickly because there's all kinds of detail here pretty much leading to the same conclusion. Nobody could understand what was going on. Nobody could explain what was going on, and he couldn't even explain what had just happened to him, but he knew what had happened to him. His friend saw him walking back from this pool of Siloam, and somebody goes, hey, is that our friend, Bill? Or Joe, I don't know what his name was, but is that our friend? It looks like our friend. No, no, that guy can see. Our friend is blind. Well, he just must look like him. And then he's like, no, 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 no. I'm the guy. I'm the same one. It's me. It's me. Yeah, you got the right one. And so they started asking him questions. Well, who did this? What happened? He told them the whole story. And then they looked at him and said, well, where did he go? Where did he go? And he goes, I don't know. I don't know. I can't explain all this to you. I, I, I don't know. The Pharisees were there. They picked up on something was going on. They were always kind of tailing Jesus, and especially on the Sabbath. They were always watching what Jesus was doing and what he was saying, and it happened to be the Sabbath. And they heard that Jesus healed a blind man on the Sabbath, which freaked them out, and they got all upset and started arguing, and they started talking to this guy like, what happened to you? And was this true? Is this what happened? And they're arguing amongst themselves because one of the Pharisees are saying, well, Well, this proves that Jesus is a sinner because he healed on the Sabbath. And another Pharisee says, well, he can't be a sinner if he healed. If he healed somebody, then he's God. And and then they're getting this argument back and forth. So they look to the blind man that was blind. Now he can see and they go, what do you think? You know what his answer was? I don't know. I figure he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders of the synagogue chimed in at this point. And now they get the parents involved. They pull mom and dad over to the side and they say, hey, Mr. and Mrs., is this your son? Was he born blind? And how do you explain this? And they go, well, yeah, he's our boy. We know that. And yes, he was born blind. We were there. But we can't explain to you what's going on. And we can't explain to you why he can see. As a matter of fact, he's a big boy. He's old enough. Ask him. So the Jewish leaders look to this guy that was blind. Now he can see. And they say, now listen, we want to ask you one more time and be careful because we want you to give glory to God if something great happened. Don't you give glory to this Jesus guy because we think he's a sinner. Watch his response. I don't know whether he's a sinner, but I know this. I was blind. Now I can see. I don't, know. I don't know how to explain to you what happened to me. He said, I don't, I don't know where there is a sinner. I, don't, I can't answer your theological questions. I don't know. I know you guys are in a big debate, and I know you're all hot and bothered, and I know you're arguing, and I know it's probably very important stuff, and I know I probably should know more and understand more, but I just don't. I, don't, I, don't, I can't explain to you. I don't know where he is. I don't even know where he is. I don't know who he is. I don't know how he did this, but this is what I can tell you. A few minutes ago, I was blind, and now I can see. They didn't stop. They went right back into the questions. But what did he do? How did he heal you? And on and on and on and on. And watch this. I love this, the candor of this. Look. The man explained. I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Boy, that didn't sit well. (laughs) They cussed him out. Read it for yourself. They cussed him out and kicked him out of the synagogue. Wow. Now, we'll pick back up the story here in a minute. But at this point, 
I want to share a takeaway with you. And there are two takeaways for this. The first one has everything to do with our stories and the miraculous things that God does in our lives, very much like what he did in this gentleman's life and what our response should be and can be. Matter of fact, you may want to write this down or just take a picture of it. Takeaway number one, you don't have to know it all or understand it all to share all Jesus has done for you. You don't have to understand it all, know it all, explain it all, anything like that in order to share all that Jesus has done for you. That's what this guy learned. That's the beauty of this. He's like, no, I don't know. I don't know, sinner. I don't know where. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know. I just spit and mud and pool and, hey, I can see. And I know it sounds weird. I know it sounds odd. So I don't have any explanation for you. I can just tell you what happened. I can tell you what happened to me, and I can tell you what I'm experiencing, and that don't have to be enough. I was blind. Now I can see. You need to know that. You, you need to be encouraged by that because there's a lot of you here that have a great story to tell. You have a great story to share of what God has done in your life, but you're hesitant to do so because you're afraid somebody might ask you a question that you can't answer. Someone may put you in a situation where you're like, I don't know, I, I don't know, never heard that word before, I'm not quite sure. And all you have to do is fall back on this. But I, I can just tell you what happened. I, let me just tell you what happened. Let me tell you what I experienced. Let me tell you why this is so important. About 50 years ago, there was a movement in the church, and it was well-meaning, well-intended, but it had some unfortunate downsides. There was a movement in the church that got going where the church, and I mean church with the big C, got to a focus of we've got to train people on how to share their faith. That people need to be trained. They need to take this class. They need to go through this program. They need to get this certification in order to know how to share Jesus or share their faith with people who may not believe or non-Christians or whomever. And again, let me say it again. It was well intended and God used it in great ways and a lot of good came out of it. But there was a couple of downsides. The thinking was, we want to help people know what to say so they can say this, and then when someone says that, they can counter with this, and then when someone raises this question, they have an answer for that, and they have an answer for everything. We want people to have an answer for any answer that, that people may ask them. And so, wow. And see, I, I was trained that way. It really was. And, and again, let me say it for the third time so no one misunderstands, I, God did great things with it. It wasn't a bad thing. I just think it had some unfortunate consequences. We were, we were trained to go to people's door, to go door to door to door to door to door to door to door, right? Which, you know, b- back then when all this got started, that's how everything got sold, right? Vacuum cleaners, door to door to door, right? Um, Girl Scout cookies, and I think they may still do that, probably not as much, you know, door to door to door to door to door. Um, if you go back far enough, milk, if you live in West Virginia, ice. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, and so door-to-door stuff. Nowadays, when someone rings your doorbell, what do you think? What's wrong? I ain't going. You going? I ain't going. Peek out the window and see if it's anybody we know. If there's nobody you know, I'm not going. I'm not going. I mean, maybe. Maybe a freak, and I'm not, you know, it's like, wow, it, it, times have changed, right? I mean, even the mail person, the, the Amazon person, they just put the stuff on the doorstep, ring the bell, and leave. Like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm just giving you your stuff, right? And I know you don't want to talk to me. So we went door to door to door to door, and, and we were trained this way. The guy would open the door, 
You would say, sir, I have a question for you. Can I ask you a question? You know, and we catch him right off guard. So you're like, oh, well, yeah. If you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? How's that for going to level 10? <laughs> right? If you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Now, now, here's the deal. That's a fantastic question. That is an absolutely awesome question to ask yourself and to have a conversation with other people. But it's just not the best way to start a conversation. <laughs> it's interesting. If you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? And it never failed. I mean, it would have some kind of reaction like this. The guy would be like, I'm just eating a sandwich with dinner with my family. But if you were to choke on that sandwich and die right here in front of your kids, where would you spend it? Dad's dying. The kids are crying. You know, it's like math pandemonium. It's all over. And we, we meant well and God used. And the other question we were taught to ask, which to me just paints God in a negative light, and, and many people have been helped with it, okay? So it's just not for me, and I think there's a better way. We were taught to tell people, if you were to die and to go to heaven and God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you tell him? I'm like, that's odd. Like, like God's some grumpy old troll that lives under a bridge. <laughs> he doesn't want to let you through unless you have the password or, or something. You know, you got to say the right thing. And that, we have nothing in the scriptures that indicate that God would go, why should I let you into my heaven? And it makes me think of the Monty Python Holy Grail. You know, the bridge of death. We're like, what's your favorite color? Blue, green, ah! You know? If you don't know why that's funny, you should watch that movie. God's not like that. Here, here's the unfortunate downside. With all the good that he, and it, it, he probably came out of it, or no doubt did, two things. Number one, it left people with the thought that, and the assumption is, if I'm not trained, I can't, I can't share my faith with people. If I'm not trained, if I don't know what to say, and if I don't know the questions, and if I don't know A plus B equals C and all that kind of stuff, and if I can't answer all their questions, then I don't have any business sharing what Jesus has done in my life. And nothing could be further from the truth. And the second unfortunate downside is this. What got lost in all of that is people's personal experience and story. We'd come in with a, with a memorized thing to say. We'd say it. And, and even though it might have been true, very well was true. Good things. But what about your story? What happened to you and what got lost in that? Here's the deal. Share what happened to you. Share what happened to you. You have a story and there's power in your story and you are an expert on your story. You know why? It's your story and you were there the whole time. And you know it. Share your story. And if you are apprehensive to share your story because you are afraid that someone may ask you a question that you can't answer, that's okay. You can just come back to your story. I can't, I can't answer that. It's a good question. But I can tell you what happened to me. And here's what I'm absolutely sure of and convinced of. There's power. The power of Jesus is in your story. Now, with that being said, if you need help kind of getting your story together, we want to help you. There's a little tool that our executive pastor, Eric Waldrop, came up with years ago, one of the most practical things I've ever seen along these lines, and it's called your God story. And in three words that you choose, you can organize your own story around three words, and you'll know how to share your God story, your story. You choose one word that describes your life, whatever word you want that describes your life before you became a follower of Jesus, before you trust and follow Jesus, and then choose a second word, your word, whatever word that describes 
the catalytic moment or series of events, or maybe it's a person or something that happened that kind of brought you to that moment of decision that was that turning point. And then the third word, you choose whatever word that describes your life since putting your trust in Jesus. It's brilliant. In fact, we're going to give you a card on the way out today that, that just, it's a little business card size, God story on the back. It's got three blanks for you to choose your three words, put it in your back pocket, and it'll kind of help you until it becomes just something you know, right? And you're not memorizing anything. It's your stuff. It's your words because it's your story. But maybe that tool will help you because the truth is, is that you don't have to know it all or understand it all in order to share all. Jesus is done with you. Let me get to the second takeaway. This kind of shifts a little bit, and in order to get there, we got to go back to the story. Evidently, Jesus was not there when all of these questions were being thrown at this guy that was blind, and now he can see. Jesus wasn't there necessarily in that moment. So it could have been that Jesus told him, you know, put mud in his eye, told him to go wash the pool of Siloam, and then Jesus went to do something else. I don't know. Maybe he had another meeting. Maybe he had to go to the bathroom. We don't know. But evidently, Jesus had to step away at that point because we see this. When Jesus heard what had happened, when, this, when he heard that this guy's getting down, they're giving him down the road. He got the third degree. They're firing all kinds of questions, and they're freaking him out, and he doesn't know what to do. He found the man, and he asked, hey, do you believe in the Son of Man? Which is a phrase, another way of saying, do you believe in this Jesus guy? Because evidently Jesus hadn't introduced himself to him yet. He had no idea. It's not like he put mud in his eye and whispered in his ear, I'm Jesus. No. He just did it. And look at his response. The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him because I'm hearing all these people talk about it, and this is, this is the guy that did this. I, I mean, I've heard about him. If this was him, if this was that guy, and he did, did this to my eyes, I want to believe in him, and I want, to, I, I, I want to. Yes, yes. Look at this next part. Jesus said, you have seen him, and he is speaking to you. Isn't that an interesting way for Jesus to introduce himself to a man who hadn't seen hardly anything except in the last... Matter of fact, he had seen nothing except in the last few moments, except in the last few minutes. He'd seen nothing. And Jesus introduced himself by saying, no, you have seen him, and he's standing in front of you, and he's talking with you right now. And then the lights came on, and look, yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. And then Jesus said this, which leads us to our second takeaway. He says, you know, I entered the world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, which he just did to this guy, physical sight. Now check this out. And to show those who think they see that they're actually blind. Now wait a second, wait a second. He's not talking about physical blindness here. The second part, for people who think they see, who think they have clarity, who think they understand, who think they know, who think they have it all figured out, that in all actuality, the truth is, they're blind. And they need their eyes open. Jesus is talking about spiritual blindness. Something that plagues all of us if we're not careful. Christians and non-Christians alike. We're blind we need our eyes open. No, not physically, but spiritually. We're actually told in the New Testament that Satan's one of his top strategy, one of Satan's top strategy is to blind people 
spiritually so that they don't see the truth about Jesus, so they don't see the truth about life, so they don't see the truth about themselves to keep them in spiritual blindness. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. So what this teaches us, takeaway number two, you might want to take a picture of this or write it down. Our eyes, my eyes, your eyes need to be open to see what we're blinded to. Our eyes need to be open. We need to ask God to open our eyes to the things that we're often blinded to. Because see, you and I have a tendency to assume that we see very well. But the truth is, we're actually blinded to the things we think we see very well. Because you don't know what you don't know. That's why you don't know it. Maybe you're blind to some things that you need God to open your eyes to because you haven't been taught or you you just didn't know or you just haven't learned. Well, it's time to ask God, God, help me to see the things I need to see. Or, Or it could be that you just suffer from what we often all struggle with is just a gross lack of self awareness. You just don't see it. You look in the mirror and you don't see it. You kind of see what you want to see or you see what other people have led you to see and you just don't see it. A lack of self-awareness. You and I are great at deceiving ourselves. and We don't even have to try. It just happens. Maybe other people can see it, and that's often the case. Other people can look and say, well, we see pretty clearly here what's going on. We can see what's going on, but often we can't see the truth about us. And so maybe it's a lack of self-awareness. That's why you need your eyes open. Or, or it could be. And this is dangerous, but it's common. Maybe you refuse to see. Maybe you know, but you just don't want to admit it. You refuse to say, yeah, I've got a problem. Or yeah, that's my issue. Or yeah, I need help. And you know it. Deep down in your gut, you know it. But as soon as you verbalize it and other people know you know it, then you got to do something about it. Then you have to change it. Then you have to deal with it. So for you, you'll pretend or you refuse to open your eyes. Either way... You need your eyes open to the things that you're blinded to. And so I want us to spend the last few minutes we have together talking about how to ask God. What do we need to ask God to open our eyes to that we're blinded to? Different ways we could talk about this. I I think there's three common areas that I as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus find myself and see others living blinded to things that they need to open their eyes to. First of all, There's probably a relationship in your life that you're blinded to some things in this relationship and you need God to open your eyes so you can see. And it may be your marriage or a relationship with your child or with your parent, a family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor. But you're blind to some things and you need God to show you. Then you need to be willing to be shown. Because a lot of times, you know, we know that there's somebody blind in this relationship, and it's her. Right? Now, oh, I get you, preacher. I've been praying that God would open his dang blind eyes for so long. No. Maybe you need your eyes open to the fact that you are the problem here. See, that just feels, it feels threatening just to even hear that or to admit that about yourself or that you're at least a big part of the problem. That would be a great prayer. God, show me. 
where I'm blinded to some things in my marriage. Maybe you're blinded to the fact that there's hope in your marriage. Maybe you think you see what's going on and you think he'll never change, she'll never change. That's crazy. God can change anybody. If we didn't believe that God could change anybody, what the heck are we doing here? Absolutely. You need your eyes open and you, and you need God to give you hope and you need to receive the hope that he wants to give you. Maybe it has something to do with your kids. I don't know, just a relationship, but I bet you know. Here's another area that we need our eyes opened to where we're blind is the decisions we make. There's a decision, a decision that you have to make. And it may be a job decision, a money decision, a relationship decision. It could be a health decision. It could be I don't know, whatever decision it is. We often deceive ourselves when we're making decisions. And so to ask God, open my eyes. I don't want to be blinded. Going into this decision, I don't want to be blinded. We're often blinded in decisions in that we make decisions about ourselves. You're making it all about you. About what you want, what you think, what's best for you. Maybe God wants to open your eyes to how this decision affects other people that you love and who love you. Maybe God wants to open your eyes and show you a third option. It's not this or that, it's something else that you haven't considered yet. Or you're refusing to consider, right? Because it'll, you have to teach an old dog some new tricks and you're not quite sure you want to go down that road. Ask God to open your blinded eyes. Maybe you're not aware that you aren't listening, that you're not being honest, or that you're just rushing to a decision because a decision has to be made. And maybe God wants you to be patient just a little longer and consider some other things. I don't know, but ask God to open your eyes. If you're making a decision, you don't want to go into this decision blinded. God, help me see what I need to see about me in this decision. And, And one more. We're often blinded in some of our beliefs. And we need God to open our eyes to a belief that we have. Maybe it's a wrong or an unhealthy belief about God. It's hard to admit when you've believed wrong things about God because we hold our beliefs about God so closely to our hearts, and that's natural. It's difficult to go, maybe I had it wrong all along. Maybe he's not the grumpy old troll that lives under a bridge. Maybe he's not this. Maybe he's not that. Maybe I am the one that was misunderstood. So ask God, God, I, I want to have my eyes opened up to believe correctly about who you are. And about what you're like. You know, God wants you to see him more clearly than you want to see him. God wants you to know about him more than you want to know about him. So that's a great prayer to pray. And I believe God will answer that prayer. Maybe you need your eyes open to some things that you're blind to and beliefs that you have about life. That if you do it right, you will always get right. Or that if if bad things are happening to you, it's because you did something wrong. Or that life is always fair. I don't know. But pray, God, open my eyes. Because I want to believe correctly about life. And, before we're done, let me just mention this. It could be that you believe some unhealthy things about what is right and what is wrong. And maybe there's some things that are wrong that you've been telling yourself and you want to accept as, as right. And then maybe there's some things that you've always thought were wrong, but maybe not like you think. Maybe it's just the way you were always taught. Maybe it's always just your assumptions. Maybe we want God to open our eyes to what's right and wrong and what's wrong and right. 
Because we don't want to think right is wrong and wrong is right. Ask God to open your eyes and be willing. Because a lot of times we don't, you know why we don't ask that question, we don't pray that? Because deep down a lot of times we know the answer and we refuse to have our eyes open. Because we don't want to change. Oh, life's way too short and way too important to go through life spiritually blinded. Spiritual blindness is so much worse than physical blindness and so much more common. And unlike physical blindness, spiritual blindness can change your forever, not just your here and now. So regardless of the condition of your physical eyes, ask God to open your eyes, spiritually speaking, so that you can see what he wants you to see. I want to pray with you and invite you to pray with me. And I want us together to ask God to help us do two things. Number one, to give us courage and strength and grace and boldness and an opportunity to simply share our story. You don't have to know it all, understand it all, prove it all. It's not, it's, it's, it's not one of those things you have to be super duper trained on. You have a story. Tell it. Share it. And let's ask God to help us do that in appropriate ways. And then secondly, ask God to open your eyes. Ask God to help you see what you need to see and help you to be willing to make the changes needed from what you see. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for sharing this story with us, for helping us understand what was going on that day when you opened this blind man's eyes. Thank you for reminding us that you're a God that does miraculous things. But reflecting on this, help us to see the story that you have given us. And it may be different from this man's story, but we see how he just shared what happened to him, even though he didn't have all the questions answered. May we learn to share what has happened to us and not feel the pressure to know it all or understand it all yet. As we learn more about you, may we just share what we know for sure, and that is what you've done in our lives. Give us an opportunity. Help us to take advantage of it when it presents itself. Father, I ask on behalf of me and all of us that you would open our eyes. Life's too short to be blinded to the things that you want us to see. Way too important to miss. So, Father, help me to open my eyes. Help me to let you open my eyes and graciously and mercifully show us what we need to know about you, what we need to know about life, what we need to know about ourselves, what we need to know about relationships in our lives, what we need to know about our past, what we need to know about what's going on right now, decisions we have to make, beliefs that we're holding on to. Because we want to see. We don't want to live blindly. Help us in Jesus' name.